Hello, and welcome to the Go Take Pictures podcast, where we spend time getting to know people who've decided to use photography to communicate in powerful ways. And the question I want to ask, how do they balance making art with being a real person? How does photography fit into their family, their job, struggles, and everyday life? At the end of the conversation, I'm hoping to know where the art comes from and then share that with you. My guest on this episode is Jay Fram, a commercial lifestyle photographer based here in Portland by way of St. Louis. Jay has broad experience in the advertising and editorial field, and we spent time talking about a lot. Everything from what it's like to work in this business during COVID, how we've dealt with being the at-home parent to our kids doing distance learning, what it's like to reboot your business in a new market, and also how our phones and the apps on them affect us as creative folks. Jay, thank you so much for being uh, with me on the podcast today. It's, um, it's fun to have somebody who I've spent some time with in real life, um, as as part of a, a local community, now we get to do this uh, over Skype and uh, and record a conversation, and I get to actually learn more about who you really are and where you came from. Great, yeah, I'm excited to do it. <laughs> Very cool. I'm a big um, fan of uh, conversations as opposed to texts these days. Yeah, so yeah, it's helpful too. Well, and I don't know about you, but I, so I'm 45, so I'm old enough that. I'm not afraid of getting on the phone and it always, it's always kind of funny because I have to remind people like I'm old, I get on the phone. I don't, when the texts go too long, I'm just like, Hey, can we just talk? Yeah. 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 I'm 46. So, you know, basically the same age and yeah, there definitely seems to be a hesitation um, for those who are younger than us, they are kind of afraid of getting on the phone. Maybe they're afraid of like the vulnerability. I think the unpredictability you're on some, you're suddenly like subject to somebody else's schedule and questions and you don't know what's, it's unpredictable, um, right. which is what I like about it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I also think that I'm seeing that in people that are our age, our age also. Oh yeah. Yeah. For you sure. Know? It's just really easy to fall back on the texting. And um, uh, I just recently read the book Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. Mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan. I am really putting into place a lot of the things that he talked about. And we'll see how he talked to me in 30 days. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> but I'm really like I, want, I, I pick up my phone by reflex, not for anything in particular. And um you know, I want to stop doing that. I don't need to check. There's, there's nothing I need to check all the time. You know, I just like, I just need to, I really want to be more present with my colleagues and friends, like in person conversations or phone conversations and with my family when I'm just standing around and not be constantly checking my Instagram likes and stuff. So, <laughs> right. It's a battle because also I do need to post on Instagram. I don't, I think it's like not optional sort of. Um, but I, I really have a, a love hate relationship with it. And, um, I don't necessarily feel good after scrolling the feed for a while. So I really wanted to try to get away from that and just post and connect with people who are connected to me, but not be constantly checking it. So, um, yeah, I love conversations and I'm making one of the things that, uh, Newport talks about in his book is, is the idea of, of office hours, basically where you're open yeah. to phone calls because part of the barrier for people making phone calls is that they're afraid to interrupt you. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't used to announce and schedule phone calls. You just picked up the phone and called, <laughs> right. right? Right. 
And and now, like, you definitely don't even have to, you know, the other person doesn't even have to pick up. They can instantly see who you are when you're calling. Exactly. So, so just if you don't want to talk to me right now, just don't pick up. But please call. That's, you know, that's what I feel like telling, you know, other people, just call. So anyway, I love I'm putting, it. I love I'm it. putting that out there. 5 p.m. every day for me, 5 p.m. Pacific time. I'm open for phone calls. So maybe you'll, you'll, uh, we'll get this broadcast out to our audience and hopefully uh, some people will be calling you. My phone will just ring off the hook. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I doubt it. Well, I, really I have doubt one, it. I have one friend that is a relatively recent friend, probably within the last three years. That's also a photographer. Um, but it doesn't do it professionally. And he is the one person that I just, I know I can call him and he thinks it's cool when his phone mm. rings randomly mm. and same thing. So I know if I have a question, I don't text him to ask if he wants to talk, I just call him and he pretty much always picks up. Um, so Justin lamb, if this, if you're hearing this, um, I appreciate that about you. Does he, res- does he not respond to texts? No, he responds to those too. But a lot of times if I, if he texts me a question, I will call him to respond and vice versa, you know, vice versa. He'll, sometimes, uh, if he, if he texts me a question and I'm just like, the answer to that is way too long. I'll just pick up the phone and call him. And he's always like, Oh, Hey man, I'm glad you called. Yeah. So, I mean, and I think that's great. I, I love it. I have, I have a couple other friends that are, you know, in the neighborhood of 30 year friends that are like that, where I, I can call and pretty much any time they'll just pick up. Yeah. When you're getting that, when he's like, Hey man, I'm glad you called. Like you're getting, you're getting some little, you're getting an endorphin hit when you pick up your phone to see stuff too, but you're, 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 you're receiving something that I think is bigger when you, when oh, you experience yeah. that you're receiving something that's bigger than the text message. <clears throat> and, you know, we live in these bodies that are evolved over millions of years to, to, to communicate and socialize and, that that socialization is very rich, like all the body language and voice that goes into it. And you're experiencing that when you, Oh, totally. Yeah. You talk on the phone and, and, and it's benefiting you. It's benefiting your mental state. And right now we all really need that. Well, I don't, I know you and I have gotten on the phone a couple of times over the last few months. So, um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself a little bit more, but, um, you are also on the board for ASMP. Oregon with me. And so we've, we've got on the phone to talk about business stuff. And then we've just stayed on the phone for quite a while afterwards. Oh, did just we do talking, that? Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. talking shop or talking about, you know, PPP loans or right. yeah. what business is happening or not happening. Yeah, and that's I'd right. Find, I asked, I asked you about that and you called me to, to give me uh, tips. <laughs> see, see that? Yeah. But it's, it's interesting though, because I think you're not the first person that's happened with me with, I get on the phone and we, it's almost like the other person just doesn't want to get off the phone. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think because we're all used to having meetings and seeing people and now we don't. And these conversations go on and on. I, I had the same thing happen with Adam, uh, who's also a board member with us. Mm-hmm. We got on the phone and we probably talked for 45 minutes mm-hmm. and it was, it was probably a five minutes worth of actual business we needed to talk about. Right. Right. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is great. It's just the need to be heard. Yeah. At some level, yeah. You connect, connect with your community, connect with the people around you. You know, you miss seeing. Yeah. Okay, so we are now a few minutes in. Jay Fram, I would love for you to, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, give a brief overview of of yourself, what you do, where you're from, that sort of thing. 
Sure, right. So I don't know if I need to say my name again. My name is Jay Fram. I'm a professional photographer. Um, I am a lifestyle and portrait photographer, I would say. It's always, it's always a little tricky for me to define. I need to get better about defining it clearly, especially for those outside the business. But yeah, I'm a lifestyle and portrait photographer shooting for primarily healthcare, education, corporate and corporate clients and, and advertising as often as I can. Um, I've been, I've been shooting professionally since about 2004, 2004 would be when I stopped assisting other photographers and went fully uh, out on my own. And for the first, like, well, that's 16 years, right? So I've worked, I was based in St. Louis until 2019 and then, and built my whole career in that city and in that region, um, primarily shooting regionally and for agencies that would sometimes, you know, take us outside of, outside the region too, to do some work. And, um, yeah, but then, then, uh, we'd been thinking about Portland and flirting with the idea of moving here for years and, my wife had a job opportunity. We, we actively looked. So she searched for job opportunities mm-hmm. here and I was ready to, to transition the business to a new market. Uh, so we finally had the opportunity to do that and we made the move in June of 2019. Um, and that's when I met you and, and the other folks at ASMP Oregon and got on the board. That was an important thing for me to do because it's like, that's like, very familiar ASMP to be involved with that. And I, I like, I like uh, being involved with my peers. You know, this is a very solitary uh, kind of career. So, um, and then, so I was here and I was starting to network and get to know, even had some client meetings and that was going well. It's a slow process to transition into a new market. And maybe it's even a little, I knew it would be difficult, but it's even more difficult than I anticipated, I'd say. And then COVID in you know April, March, March or April yeah, of, of March. last of this year, it, it it hit and it just it's it's been, you know, for everybody it's been so hard. But just speaking personally, it's been such a kick in the teeth um, to to suddenly not be able to meet people and to be cut off from the people that I used to work with. So, right. Like travel was shut down. That's a particularly bad set of circumstances for me that the travel yeah. was discouraged and shut down. So I, cause you were going really... back there and shooting. Yes. I was going back to the clients. Midwest. Yes. In St. In St. Louis and Chicago, especially um, in 2019, I was, I was working a lot back there. And then, you know, that's one of the things that completely, you know, got kneecapped. So, um, so that, and then, just the difficulty of reaching out and getting to know new people. You know, this is a very relationship business, or at least at least my experience of this business is, is very relationship oriented. It's not just about your imagery. You know, there's a lot of people who can make good pictures. So uh, a lot of it is just these personal relationships. And when you're in a new market, you're starting from scratch on that. So that's jumping ahead a little bit to, to the move, um, you know, going backwards just to give you the basis of of my you know history i went to college for photography i went to a little um, place called webster university which was in st louis and i graduated with a 
degree in media with an emphasis in photography and I assisted other photographers. Um, so that's how I kind of came up in the business. And then the reason I got into doing um, a lot of healthcare and education was that there were just a lot of universities and hospitals. The hospital systems were some of the biggest employers in Missouri. And so I just ended up shooting a lot for those folks. Um, and you start to have a lot of that work in your portfolio and you have a lot of those clients on your client list and suddenly like you're the healthcare photographer. I'm also pretty good at making good pictures of boring stuff. So, um, you know, it's, you know, there, there are great stories to tell in healthcare photography and, um, that kind of subject matter. But it's, you know, when you're talking about really clinical situations, it's often a beige room yeah. with, you know, if it's, if it's real people, either whether it's models or it's like actual patients, you know, it's not, they're real people. They're not like glamorous. Right. So it's making these people and places look good and personal and dramatic. Well, and that's something, that's something that I've, that I've noticed. I, you did a, a pretty recent um, revamping of your website and your just your overall uh, portfolio. Yes, and it's there's some photos in there where, like, as a photographer that is in a, in a similar you know I do similar work, and it's interesting to to look through there and say okay, there's really specific stylistic things that you're doing that really take the level the production level up and it's just little stuff like, Hey, there's a pair of shoes that are just slightly off to the side to give a sense of motion, to give a sense of, of, you know, um, it's makes them more dynamic and, and little, yeah. little things like that. And so I think you, I, I noticed that through, through your portfolio, especially in the education space. Oh, good. Yeah. Nice. Um, Thank you. I, I, uh, I think so much of it, it's so hard for me to talk about, you know, when I'm in a client meeting, you know, making a pitch for, for doing a project, it's so hard for me often to talk about how I do the thing because it's a lot of those decisions are instinctive and I can talk about technical stuff. I can talk about lighting and, but to tell you, Oh, here's how I interact with a, a, a subject to get the right reaction out of them. You know, I mean, it's, it's sometimes you don't know what you're saying. And when you decide to, when you decide to include that little pair of shoes, you know, or something, I mean, maybe sometimes, yeah, it's, it's intentional and you move the shoes, but a lot of the time it's more um, instinctive responding to the environment. And then the, the, the thinking later when it comes to what to include, you're looking at a hundred pictures and it's, you know, what's important, what tells the story, what pictures do you keep? That's, that's exactly. one thing that I love to talk to younger photographers about. That, oh, uh, yeah, I would love to show you my work. And they show me 200 pictures. You, this is not your work. Right. You, showing me 200 pictures is not your work. Go back. I was just thinking about this on my run the other day. Show me 10. Come back and show me 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's, your first, that's your first piece of feedback. Yeah. Um, and then I know what you really think is important because that's part of the story anyway. No, that totally makes sense. That's... Um... It's interesting. So uh, you started working with uh, Selena this year, true? To 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 do some. Uh, well, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I so Selena came. We brought her in right as part of ASMP um, to present, so that's, and that's uh, yeah. Selena Matraya. 
Selena Matreya, and Matreya. she she had. I don't remember. Well, it was the the program was called Power to the Photographer, and one half of it was Jenna Close talking about copyright and some other stuff, and Selena talking about basically creating a marketing plan, yeah, and re-editing your portfolio. I mean, it's a it's it's a pitch for what she does, but if you don't. You know, there's a lot of consultants out there. There are a lot of consultants out there who are doing this and you need to, it, it's great to be able to see them talk and see them in person and, you know, it gives you a sense of, of, of what's, um, of what they're like. So, right. and I had met Selena many, many years ago, 2006. Um, also, you know, she came, <laughs> it's funny. She came in January. I, was already thinking seriously of getting some help um, with a marketing plan with my because I'm transitioning to a new market and mm-hmm. that this is turning out to be really difficult and I I knew I needed some help creating the plan just knowing what to do next and then by the time I was contacting her over that over that period as we were getting started COVID was was ramping up and it was clear that things were going to be really quiet for a while. And um, and I'm glad that I jumped off when I did. I didn't anticipate, I didn't even think we were going to do a re-edit of the website, but um, it it just, it it grew from there. And I'm glad that we did. And, and I, uh, I put, she, she edited, she re-edited all my sections, gave me a lot of feedback. It was a great process. Um, and now I have this marketing plan that I'm putting into, into action. I'm really glad that I have it because I don't know what else really that I would be doing with myself. I, it's, it's really, it's super frustrating. I mean, I see other people where we are, we are really not talking about photography. We're talking about business here. You know what though? That's, um, well, and it's, I, I sent out an intro email to every, everybody who's a guest on the podcast. I was like, Hey, this is really open-ended. I've had everybody from landscape photographers to hobbyists to, um, uh, you know, one of our local, um, photojournalists, Alicia was on a couple episodes ago Yeah, and, and it's been great to get all the different, different sides. In fact, you're probably the closest, you know, we're actually pursuing the same kinds of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't really have the medical health care, you know, the healthcare or the educational thing, but, but the kind of lifestyle work I'm going through the same exact thing, except that I didn't relocate to a new market, <laughs> but it's actually more similar than you'd think because I'm relatively new to the industry. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it's, yeah, it's not about photography. It's more about the business of it. But if you're a pro photographer, like that's, Gosh, how much of your career is that the, the business? Side? Yeah, it's the it's the bulk of it, really. Right. You know, um, you can't go out and do this and do it for a living unless you have unless you have clients, you know, unless you have jobs coming in. So, really, getting the jobs to come in comes before creating the work in a way. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know, which is which is not great, but that's, that's the way it is. And you're choosing, you're choosing to do it as your, as your, as your income, you're choosing to so, make it a business. And so that's yeah. a trade off. So I kind of cut you off. You were saying other folks are doing what well, I, I wanted to kind of hear where you're going with that. Well, yeah, let's okay. 
let's dig into this. One of the things that I've been seeing, so I, I see it, I see it in photography talks that that were you know that get marketed to us, right? Where right. photographers talk um, about their work. I see it in. I'm a member of Wonderful Machine, which is like a. Mm-hmm. What would you call them? They're like a. Um, they're not an agent. They're a production agency. They're a production company. They sell a lot of services to photographers, yeah. but one of the things that they have is they they have a, a database of photographers that's searchable by by location and by work. Right. And I'm a member of that, and so clients can reach me through that sometimes. Um, so so I see them talking about photo- and what I'm talking about is photographers and other artists working about how they've how they've, what they've done during COVID and how they've tackled new projects and how they've Mm -hmm. been, um, uh, ways that they've made it interesting and taken and done great portfolio work, um, and how they've responded to the crisis maybe in ways that speak to the moment. Sure. And that's all great. I mean, it's on my best days that feels inspiring, but on all the other days that are not my best days, it feels really frustrating to see all that stuff. Now, one of the things you may have <laughs> noticed about me is that I can be a little, um, I can be a little sour about stuff sometimes. But I think I think I'm a realist, and I think at some level, like people sometimes will appreciate that. Yeah, that's um, where you say, "Hey, man, I'm pragmatic." I, you know, <laughs> yeah, I just like, come on, let's all be honest and like admit how we're feeling, you know. And what I, what I want to say is like I. I so I have not been productive like that during this time. It's been super frustrating. And maybe I could have carved out the time to do that. I have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. And, you know, mom's working at home. She has a real job. Uh, but I'm obviously trying to work at home, trying to work on my own business, which is completely flexible with no deadlines. So if anyone's, you know, if anything needs doing or if anyone needs babysat or tutored, like it's, it often falls yep. on me. Um, right she, she, she does a ton of stuff too, but it's just, it's just natural that a lot of it ends up on me. And so, and just then the fact that the kids are stuck in indoors and, you know, in the early part of this, and then they were outside during the summer, that was good. But then, you know, it's winter again. It's just, and school was a disaster as you, as you probably know, mm-hmm. your kids are older, but still, I think school for everyone back when this started in the spring of 2020 was a disaster. Um, it was based, you know, it was sort of like school was limping along and we were heavily involved. It's been much better this fall. I don't know if, if you feel. That it's been yeah. Better. Mine has been a, a last spring was awful. Um, yeah. And my kids are, so my oldest is 17. Uh, my middle son is 15 and then my daughter's 12. Mm-hmm. So, um, she seventh grade, 10th and 11th this year. And my daughter is still doing the distance learning thing. And she's in, you know, she's in junior high and it's going well, she's getting great grades. Um, but she's very sour on the whole thing. Um, that's a very my, important time to be social. Yeah, that would be, exactly. that would be really hard to be in seventh grade and yeah. yeah. My boys have been doing great and we actually pulled them out of their normal high school. So they're not doing the distance learning through their public high school. We actually put them in an online uh, charter school, Mm. which is actually an early college program. So last week, my boys who are 15 and 17 just finished their first term of college. Wow. Which is pretty cool. So 
and one term of college counts for a full year worth of high school credits. Wow. So yeah, I'm, it's, we've managed to turn that into lemonade, this whole thing, because yeah. they're, they're blasting through school and may, they can finish early, but if they don't finish early, they get to stay in college and get a bunch of college credits. So a lot of kids in the program graduate with their associate's degree. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so they, that they, may save them money or it may get them out quicker or save me money, <laughs> save you money. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But um, yeah, so, so that's what it's been like for us, but even, you know, they're taking college classes with adults. And so I'm, we sit here at the same table I'm at right now and I have the two boys sitting here with their laptops doing their schoolwork and they are still teenagers. So they're not motivated like college students. Mm. And I have to crack the whip here a little bit. Um, my daughter's a little more self-sufficient. She goes and hides in her room and comes out when she needs to take a break. But it's been, I always joked around before COVID that I was, you know, I, I was part-time full-time photographer, you know, doing full-time, trying to do a full-time photographer job while I was the part-time stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. And, and that has become even more of a, a harsh reality Mm -hmm. this last year is that you know, the shopping, the, all the things that need to happen around here, the managing of the kids and the school stuff that kind of has all fallen on me. And my wife has, a you know, has had a great job with all the benefits and everything. And she's just been able to work remotely. So she took over my office mm-hmm. in the house <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I got relegated to, um, schoolmaster at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's that. It's really, really hard to do. All that stuff that you're talking about is just distracting. It's not like it's that hard to manage your boys, probably, but it's just distracting. If you, even if it doesn't take a ton of brain power, if you interrupt your workflow over and over and over again every ten minutes, you just can't. And then you only you only have like a certain number of hours, and then it's done. I mean, it's like I got to go walk the dog, and then we got to get dinner, and you know, it's just all the normal stuff. Right. And I don't want to like not enjoy, you know, my family life because it's, it's passing, you know, it's, it's not going to come back. And so anyway, it's, I have tried to forgive myself for the COVID for the lack of COVID time productivity. And I recommend that other people who are in the same boat. And I think there's probably a lot you know, do the same. It's okay if you didn't produce this body of awesome work or take fantastic pictures of the stuff that you happen to be home with or whatever, right? It's, it's been, it's also just been emotionally, mentally a hard time to soldier through. It's been a really difficult, it's, it's amazing how it's universally difficult for all kinds of people in all kinds of different ways feels right feels like my particular difficulties are based around covid but they are very personal to me you know so you know t- talking about you know saying not being productive it's it's interesting you say that cuz we had just we did an event last week with our fr- mutual friends uh, uh Leah and Chris from Nashco yeah. um i i've got them both on tap to hopefully be on this podcast fairly soon but they were talking about all the different projects they've been up to and that's, yeah. been, and that's great. And, and I feel the same that it's, it's great to see it. And I go, man, why wasn't I more busy doing that? But at the same time, 
there's other photographers that I am friends with and that I've kept in touch with who've basically disappeared off of mm-hmm. all social media. They're not posting anything. They're not doing anything. And I think it's good to know that there are, you know, the, there's a, there's a range. Some people have found ways to stay sane by being creative. Others have pulled inward and, you know, are bearing down on whatever's getting them through it. And I think it's, it's good and healthy to realize that that's, there's all, there's a spectrum there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, what the, the projects that Leah and Chris did were fantastic. I mean, those are, that's, that's really cool stuff. And that's part of, you know, when I see that, I, I think, I think, oh, you know, I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And, but I think it's just, it's just a, it's a question of mental motivation Mm-hmm. And bandwidth, um, you know, they also don't have kids. So right. forgive yourself. For, yeah, yeah. <laughs> forgive yourself for attending to the realities that you, that you have in your life. Um, it's also, also they, have built, they have built in team members in each yeah. other. Well, I think it's also good to think about that not only that, but they're not doing anything different than what they normally do. And they have personal projects going all the time. Mm-hmm. So this isn't, I think some people go, oh yeah, COVID's happening. I'm going to do a big fancy personal project when they don't normally do that. But this is kind of built into how Leah operates. Mm-hmm. Like if it's not this project, it's something else. And there's always some story, some photojournalism type of story she's trying to tell. So that's, you know, I, I try not to beat myself up because I'm like, I'm not as good as she is at telling photojournalistic stories on a, you know, even when things are normal, <laughs> yeah. let alone when everything's weird and, and there's so many other priorities in my life. Well, it's like every time I, wa- I think about going out and photographing, I start getting, uh, I start getting all, uh, um, heated up about whether or not I'm going to be able to, whether I'm going to be uncomfortable or, or risk or at risk, or if I'm going to put other people at risk, you know? So it's just this really hard time to be in person with people. Um, and I also don't know anybody in the community. And so that also is a barrier. So everyone, you know, every y'all, we all have our own kind of, um, things that we have to get over, uh, to do also, you know, I mean, you know, you've kept your household running right during this time when it's just like been really hard. So that's, that deserves some credit. I've, I redid my whole website, you know, that was, yeah. and I'm still working on it. It's like never ending process to get that done. And, um, right. it, it's, that's hard work, but it's all computer work. It's not outside yeah. photographing work. Exactly. Yeah. You've, and you've produced a lot of work. You've been going out to remote areas and producing landscape work at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's so my, maybe what I do is a a little different just because though I haven't been out shooting as often as I would have been in in a normal year, um, in terms of the landscape side of things, I have been making a concerted effort to say, okay, I'm going to go like every couple of weeks, I'm trying to go be outside and I've got a couple of photographers, you know, I've got a handful of people that just 
they're kind of on call. They're my, they're my homies. <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. just say, Hey, I'm going here. You want to come? And so that's been, it's been great to be able to do that. And I think in some ways I, I treat that as less of a, let's go produce, you know, quote unquote work and more, this is my mental health, go be out in nature sort of time. For sure. But, um, for sure, there's been a, a piece of it where I I have treated it as a, a time to, you know, to kind of learn and to say, okay, I'm, there's not a lot else going on. So I'm going to spend some time on this and I'm going to try to refine the artistic side of that, um, which is, which is really, really different from the work that I do that I get paid for most of the time. Sure. And every once in a while, the two will cross, you know, it's, um, I, I, I actually just heard back that I licensed a couple images, you know, a couple outdoor images with, you know, models that are actually just regular people, um, mm-hmm. that are going to, they're going to be in a magazine here coming up in the new year, which is great because yeah. I, I never get paid for that kind of work. It's, 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 it's cool when I can license it, but most of the time the landscape stuff is just me going off and doing my thing. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's been interesting to see when I talk to different people who are in involved in the more commercial advertising type uh, photography uh, community, where people are finding actual work during this year. So that's been really, it's just been interesting to me because it seems to be coming from very random places. You know, I know that's been the case for every bit of work that I've found, but it seems like a lot of people or it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm hearing from random people that I've never heard from before or different types of people or people are referring me, you know, three steps removed because somebody mm-hmm. needs something weird in this weird year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, the need for imagery to communicate and advertise has not disappeared. It's just that a lot of it has been delayed, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to know exactly what's going on. I mean, I'm I'm at a real distance from the people who who would have normally been calling me to pop in and do something small too. I think probably there's just still stuff is still going on. It's probably just a lot of it is smaller. Yeah, and there's concerns about how many people are going to be involved. You know, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, but the, I mean, I'm glad that you're hearing from some people. Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. good. <clears throat> Well, I, th- I think it's, you know, people always, people always ask, you know, when you're, whenever you're talking to people, they're like, where do you get most of your work from? Is it from networking? Is it from, you know, advertising or, you know, reaching out and doing marketing campaigns to agencies and businesses? And my answer has always been, everything is word of mouth. It's somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And I think mm-hmm. that has been true this year, maybe more than any other year, because I'm not doing any networking. Uh, I, you know, I'm not going to any meetings. I'm not showing up at places and, and glad handing people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's way more somebody saying, oh yeah, well we, hey, we're way behind on headshots and nobody's been, nobody's seen each other in months, but can you, can we set something up so we can get headshots of all these new people we've hired or you know, a friend of a friend is like, Hey, I need, uh, you know, I'm putting, a, I'm putting a, a call out for bids on something and 
you know, it's a weird, you know, it's, it's odd and we need to do it in a really weird way because of COVID. Are you interested? I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's, and I keep, that's the kinds of stories I'm hearing from everybody else too. So that's been mine. Um, I would love to shift gears away from this stuff. COVID. Yeah. Away from COVID. Um, you mentioned before we started recording this idea of um, digital, kind of a digital detox or mi- digital minimalism. And I would love to know more about that, more about, you know, kind of the idea of um, taking back your time and your, uh, and your focus. Uh, yeah, I, I would love to talk about that. Um, cause in, and, and let's, let's think about it in terms of what it's like to need those tools as right. photographers, you know, as commercial photographers. Um, I'm not hundred percent convinced Dan, that we need any of them, but we've been told <laughs> that we need them. So let's start there. I'm trying to think back to what launched me on this recently. And it's, it's, it's oh, probably a, COVID, right? <laughs> well, the, the drive to check my device. Okay. Has, has definitely COVID has definitely increased that. Hmm. Um, and it's because I've, I miss, I've worked in an office by myself other than photo shoots. I work in an office by myself and I've been mm-hmm. doing that for years. And so I've often struggled with, I'm kind of a, um, I wouldn't, I'm more extroverted than I am introverted. Let's, let's just say I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. I like, one of the things that I like about my job is I like pleasing people and, and giving them the shots that they want and they're happy. And like that, that really like gets me going. Right. And so in, in a, in a time when I, when I'm not having those photo shoots and not having the meetings around the photo shoots and all that stuff, like my need for social interaction is not being met. And so I, I look to my phone for that and it's not delivering, you know, like <laughs> the likes and the follows and the, even the text messages. I mean, the tech, I live for the text messages, text messaging with, with friends, but that's even not fully delivering, uh, what would be, you know, I mean, I like the text messages, but it's, it's nice to have conversations also. Um, yeah. I can't remember what, it's sort of a it's sort of a feeling that started to build, yeah, within mm-hmm. the last few months. Well, you know, one is I have a very close friend who's an agency owner, and actually, um, you know, I mean, they they basically dissolved the agency recently because mm-hmm. you know COVID and it's right. just been just such a crazy year. But he also really wanted to get back to designing, and I think, you know. He was, he inspired me because he, he took the trouble to delete his Facebook yeah. account. I mean, and it took it, it, it to tell, to tell him, mm. to hear him tell the story of it. It took him like weeks. Like you have to say that you want to do it and then you have to come back and like confirm it days later. <laughs> and then there's like a process of days where they're deleting all your data or packaging it up to send you or whatever it is. And then you say yes. And then. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. And I just was like, wow, you deleted it. It just seems so, um, how can you do that? You know? Yeah. seems so Uh, final. Yeah. But I mean, you know, what's, what's the big deal? Like there was a time when we didn't have that. So anyway, that got that, I guess that kind of got me thinking and I have, I have been very unhappy with Mark Zuckerberg and co and, 
um, the, you know, the sort of nefarious things that they've either done or have allowed to be done, right. the ways that the, you know, the way that the conversations online, so, so on social media, so quickly devolve into the most extreme, you know, viewpoints that's troubling. So my own thing, I mean, I don't, I've stopped, I, I use Facebook very little now. Sure. Um, and that's decreased and I can just not use it. That's fine. I do feel like I need to use Instagram and Instagram to my mind has gotten, the experience has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. Um, and right now, you know, the shopping button is where the like, but is where the feedback button used to be. Mm -hmm. Right. So they've moved these things around. Your thumb is used to checking that is used to hitting that spot you know, they've, they've made some minor things. Like they don't show, they don't, what is it that they don't show now? They don't show number of likes. Oh no, they still show those in the U S if you, if you're outside of the U S there's some areas where they've removed likes, but they still show them here. I think that would be great if likes were gone, you know? Um, I think that would be fantastic, but yeah. So, um, one frustration, okay, and I was talking to Andy Bat the other day, yeah. and he, he put it very well, which is that there's no, with Instagram, there's no direct line um, between, there's no direct line between point A to point B that is just a matter of hard work. Right. You can't start here and say, I'm going to put in hard work for eight months, and I know it after eight months, I'll be there right. and I'll, you know, and I'll have a significant, like respectable number of followers that an agency would be pleased to see, or an advertiser would be pleased right. to see that'll make them take me more seriously because I have this certain number of follower count or mm-hmm. certain level of like, what is it? Um, 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 engagement. Engagement. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> engagement on the post. And it's just like, you can read all this advice about, about hashtags. I've been hashtagging the shit out of everything lately. Right. Dan. <laughs> and we got to talk about this because I am not seeing the benefit. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been, I mean, and I don't think I'm doing it stupidly. I've been researching the kind of hashtags to use using ones that aren't like overflowing and stuff. It, I just think it's more a problem of the kind of work that I produce Oh, sure. And it's not niche enough, I suspect. And also there's whatever is going on with the algorithm. So yeah, I am tired of beating my head against the wall with that. I think the way I think about Instagram now is, is as a shadow or second website that I can bet in our current environment, if a client is is serious about checking me out, they're going to check out my Instagram page to see recent right. stuff and to mm-hmm. see what the engagement is like. And yeah. I just want it to look good and to look current and to make me to be thoughtful on that page and to be responsive. And that's the main thing that I think about when I'm posting now. I just think <clears throat> I'm creating a page of my work that's recent, that's engaged as possible. And I try not to really think about, you know, how many likes or comments. It's always nice when you get yeah. comments, but as part of my digital detox, my method with Instagram when I'm, when I'm being good and I'm following it is that I post, I post when I post, which I try to do at least once a week or a couple times a week now. And then I don't check it on the phone. And the, 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 the app itself is on a back page 
hard to a little harder to get to on the iPhone. And I check it on the web, the desktop inter- browser interface, mm-hmm. which is a terrible. It doesn't work well, and it's not right. compelling to keep looking at it. Right. So right. it's it's kind of easier to sort of check your stuff and then just kind of interact and then close it. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's what I'm trying to do. I, I'm trying to pick up the phone, you know, just less as a reflex, mm-hmm. just to check. I just keep checking like, oh, maybe there's something here for me. Maybe I, maybe I get a little hit, you know, um, whether it's a text message or an email or something, I'm always checking these things for me, like always the email because good news often, com- bad news often comes through email too, right? <laughs> right? But good news when it comes, it's not a phone call. It's usually an email. And so I'm driven to just check it and check it and check it. Well, maybe there will be a job. Well, maybe somebody will want me to do something, you know, um, maybe at midnight, there will be an email that slipped in that I didn't, you know, seriously, like that is a serious thing that we do. What's funny is I actually do have one, um, client that emails me routinely at three in the morning. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) They're little tiny jobs, but I know that, and I, I, my theory is that she works there, but she doesn't actually live in the United States. Ah. Yeah. And so I think she's emailing when it's normal times for her. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Right. But yeah, she, she's, it's basically, I, I do some photo shoots for a, a dating concierge site. Huh. That yeah, they send me clients that need need photo shoots, and then I connect with the clients. We take pictures. It's basically like kind of lifestyle Instagrammy sorts of photo shoots, but it's meant to not look like a professional photographer took them. Oh. And so not too much, not too much blurry background. Yeah. Um, no yeah. Artif- no artificial lighting, and they just say I've got a new person to introduce you to, and she always emails me at like three in the morning. So. So these are, these are like dating their, their, their photos about the person to put on their like dating profile. Yes. That is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's kind uh, of a cool little job. I like the sound of that. Yeah. It's, it's something that I, I don't even remember the, I, oh, I think I picked it up on, um, thumbtack like two years ago. Wow. So it was just, yeah, somebody found me on thumbtack and then they just kept reaching out. And so now I, I probably do like one every like one a month, every once in a while, like it'll be like two or three a month, but it's really interesting. And it is fun as much as it can kind of feel a little goofy. Like oh, I'm taking pictures of people for their dating profile. Sure. It's actually really meaningful because you get to know these people and you realize they're spending money on trying to say, okay, how do I put the best foot forward? And it's not yeah. that it's not unlike people trying to have a good headshot for their new, yeah, you know, for LinkedIn to, to look for a new job. Yeah. And a lot of times, sometimes people are, sometimes they're a little, you know, they're awkward and it's yeah. like, okay, there's a reason why you're doing this. <laughs> there's other people where you're just like, I don't know why these people are trying to get on a dating website. What's How come you just can't get a people? date? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's like funny. I, I literally had one recently where I was like, you're a really nice person with really, you know, attractive, great social skills. What's the deal here? And it was just literally way too busy way too busy to huh right and they because they're managing not just one profile this company's managing like you know five six seven different profiles for them and then helping match make so wow but it's interesting because i get these random phone calls and they're like hey or not phone calls but emails say hey we've got another person for you okay cool yeah (laughs) and it's it's actually 
Do you find yourself driven to check in case one of those comes in? No, I don't. <laughs> that I don't do. But man, all of that that whole dopamine hit of the of the phone thing, that is man, that's real. That's a real mm-hmm. real thing. Um ever I know everybody's been talking about it, so it's, it's totally, mm-hmm. you know, popular, but the social dilemma, have you watched it? Yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and they they were really explicit about that. I I had heard about this idea and this like this purposeful way that they built the 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 apps um before that movie, but that movie like yeah. brought it into broad like um Oh yeah. notoriety. So I'm I think it's great. I think everyone should know about that, you know. Yeah. Um and that that was another you know that was another chink in the it was another brick in the wall i guess in, in terms of of me um uh trying to 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 make meaningful change i think that's great relationship to that stuff and so i've been a real evangelist about this book um just a neighbor gave it to us it's i think he's it's a pretty popular book but uh digital minimalism by cal newport he wrote the book deep work which i think a mm-hmm. lot of people are familiar with and he makes great arguments for why you don't need to be so attached to it and what you're potentially missing out on. And right. then, you know, real world recommendations about here are some ways that you could change things. And he recommends a 30 day detox where you really like eliminate all but the most essential apps. And then you only add them back in if they serve a need right. that fits your um, you basically encourage you to write down your personal values. My right. values are this. Does this support my values? Test one, test two. Is it the best way to support those values? Mm-hmm. And then I don't remember what number three was, but the first two <laughs> stuck with me. And only then do you, do you, inc- do you keep the app? Otherwise you don't keep it. Yeah. It's kind of like a, it's like a digital Marie Kondo sort of. Totally. Yes. Yeah. Except, totally. except for you don't, you don't, you don't, does it spark joy? You get rid of it first. Does it you spark only, joy? That's you only bring test. it back. You only bring it back if you actually really need it and it doesn't contradict your values. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, but it's amazing because I find myself tapping the phone. I have an iPhone 11, so I just have to tap it to see if there's any, yep. you know, notifications. And I just, I go, I walk by it in the house and I'm like, oh, I tap. I wonder if there's anything tap, you know? And it's like, yeah. there's nothing, there's never anything there. I've turned you off. You just got to flip it over and put it in a drawer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you're still like, you're still just, I don't know, the more, the less I interact with it, the less I want to, mm-hmm. but I interact with it still enough that I still sort of want to pick it up. I'm, oh, well, maybe I have some likes or, and then I, I'm rem- and then I remind I'm reminded that like, oh, I'm not doing that right now. Um, but I'm just amazed at how driven I am to pick it up. And I'm not someone who has, who was a heavy, heavy user by any means. But sure. I just, I just really want to be more like present in the real world. And I've also been meditating and, and um, that's been... Th- those those two experiences dovetail, you know, being mindful yeah. and being present to my life as I'm living it and not always being somewhere else. And I know there was one thing more that I was going to say, which is the other thing that really drove me to this is just that I tend to feel bad after I spend a lot of time scrolling the feed. 
Right. Whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Nextdoor, I would look at Nextdoor and, you know, it's just like people, yeah, mostly people yelling at each other about it's homeless o- it's on- Yeah, it's only good for uh, the Twitter account, Best of Nextdoor. <clears throat> that is great. That is, <laughs> that classic, is right? hilarious. And, but it's just a, po- it's just pointing out like what's wrong with it, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I really like uh, best of next door, but yeah, it's just, it's just not ne- like it's, I'm, you know, it's makes sense that next door exists, but it's not necessary right. to be on it or to check it or to get the daily digest every day. I mean, even, even the news announcements that I'm getting, I don't really need to get them every day. Right. I don't need to get the announce like the. I don't need to get the notification on my phone as it's happening. Mm-hmm. It just it just diffuses my concentration. Yeah. So now I'm turning off notifications and silencing. Um, what do you call it? Putting it in uh, do not disturb mode. Yeah. And sometimes I miss something, but nobody ever really calls on the phone these days. So yeah. No, that's a, that's really interesting though. I, I have gone through over the years, ever since, so I've been doing photography as a profession for, it's going to be five years here in like the first quarter this next year. And it's really interesting because, you know, being somebody working from home, as opposed to my previous career as a banker, when I was sitting at a desk, you know, um, always connected is that I have gone through seasons where I've detoxed from social media or from certain aspects where I'm going like, I'm turning off all the notifications or, you know, no, no push notifications. I turned them all off. And then slowly you bring things back in. The most recent thing that I had done was I set a time limit for Facebook on, Mm -hmm. and I use all Apple devices. So I can say in, they, they have a screen time app that allows you to control, you know, both your kids, but also your own, screen time. And so what I did is I told the app, Hey, I want to you to not let me use Facebook for longer than like an hour a day. Right. And that, but it's kind of interesting because it turns, it gives me, it blocks it on all the devices, not just the, you know, so if I, if I just leave it logged in on my desktop, then my phone will be like, Hey, you've been on here too much today. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be like, ignore it. I'm, I'm doing work here. Cause I, I do actually have some advertising accounts that I run on Facebook for uh, a business and some other stuff, but it's been really interesting to me to be way more mindful and, and to, to know how much time I'm spending on there. Yeah. Um, and I did, th- I've done the same with Instagram too. Um, and to say, okay, I'm going to post and I, I'm trying not to be, you know, too particular about what time I do that, but I, I set it and say, okay, I'm not going to open the app until I'm posting and then I'm going to let, <clears throat> and it, it, I only have a half an hour so I can interact with that thing for the next half hour and then it goes dead for the rest of the day. And of course you can, you can override it, but it's interesting when you set up the barrier for yourself, you have to consciously choose to ignore it sure. to, to move forward. And that's been really helpful um, in a lot of ways. Um, especially leading up to the election, I was, I was on there all the time on Facebook and Twitter and all those. Isn't it, isn't it amazing that, that it's so compelling that you have to set a limit for yourself or you won't get off after 30 minutes? I mean, 
That's incredible. Oh, yeah. Like 30 yeah. minutes is a, that's a chunk of time yeah. that you're just sort of looking and scrolling. And so you talked about the idea of Instagram being something that you can't be really be successful on by working at it. You can't just put in hard work and be, become an Instagram star or Instagram successful. And you were talking to Andy about that. Right. And I actually grew an account from, I mean, this is, these are piddly numbers from, from like zero to a thousand in like six months, a couple years ago. That's, it, I mean, for a short amount of time, day, that's three hours a day. It took three hours a day to do it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm not willing to do that. Exactly. And I didn't, Oh my God, I didn't, realize that was what I was doing at the time. Wow. But when I looked back at how it was working, how I did it, it meant that I had to always be paying attention and always responding and just interacting with other people all the time. So this involved you commenting on other people's pages and just being involved with the community and like saying things. And yeah, you can't just post a thing and then respond to comments on it. Like if you don't, proactively interact with other people's stuff. Yeah. You can't you can't grow Instagram. It's wow. the algorithm is set up such that they w- are not going to show your stuff to other people unless you're proactively reaching out to other people and gaming the system essentially. Like there's not a way to do it otherwise. And I think the problem is we all you as a photographer you go on there and, and you look and you say, "Okay, I want to be I want to be cool like Chris Burkhardt who has 3 million followers or yeah. it might even be more than that. Yeah. And, and people, and then people associate and they go, Oh, if I, if I get more followers, I'll be like Chris. And the reality is he was super famous and super successful before he was ever on Instagram. Yeah. And then he landed on there and Instagram, it, it's like people kind of miss it. They, they have the cause and effect screwed up. They have it backwards. Um, Paul Nicklin is huge on Instagram because Paul Nicklin is huge in the photography world. Yeah, he's it's not famous. the other way around. Yeah, yes, it's not the other way around. Uh, Peter Hurley, you know, he's famous because he's this headshot guy and he right. partners with all these brands. He's not doing well on Instagram because he's working the algorithm on Instagram. He's doing well there because he's already famous. Right. And I think, the, it's but just there like, are people, aren't there, who 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 did blow up on Instagram oh, I and mean, yeah, they started sure. there, but it's so, I, I feel like that's probably so rare that it's, it's not it's, worth yeah. including in your data set. It's like being a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. My, my kids um, were really into YouTubers, like video game YouTubers mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And they, and I said, what do you want to do in here? Oh, I want to be a, I want to review video games on YouTube. Yeah. I was like, yeah. do you have any sense of how hard it is? to become a career YouTuber. And they're like, Oh no, no. I'm like, it's like literally like becoming John Mayer. You don't, you know I mean? Or, or kids just think that, and, and I think a lot of not just kids, but a lot of just people in general, they think I'm going to put my work out there. I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to put them out there and I'm going to get famous. And they tie their whole idea of their career and their validation of, am I a good photographer? into am i successful on instagram which is just ridiculous because i don't know about you but almost every single working photographer that's making a real middle class or higher income they're not instagram is not a significant part of their business yeah no they might every once in a while find something there but that's that's not where their big jobs come from yeah 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 so i think it's good to just have that perspective and to know that 
you're not going to, uh, you put it really well earlier where you said it's kind of like a secondary portfolio and people go there, to, they're, they're not going there to like look at your portfolio. They're going to see that you're a going concern. They're going mm-hmm. to be like, is this guy out there shooting? Is this guy out mm-hmm. there doing mm-hmm. what he, is he, is he doing the thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It, yep. I don't know what the, I don't know what the previous iteration was, how people look to see if you're busy before social media, but it seems like that's the reason it exists. It's just so people can go, Oh yeah, it's Jay shooting. Yeah. Oh, this guy's shooting. Oh yeah. He interacts with people. Okay, cool. Oh, he hasn't posted since 2014, you know, and that's like, that's <laughs> the opposite. That's the opposite message. And so yeah. that's the message that you can't send. And if you just ignore it, it's going to cost you probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's also good to remember. Um, so anecdotally, I have two, Dan Hawk, you know, I have, I have a Dan Hawk photography account and I have the Dan Hawk brand photo account mm-hmm. and the brand photo account is literally me to post portraits and things like that. It's commercial lifestyle headshot type stuff. Mm-hmm. And nobody gives a rat's ass. What I nobody about. cares about like, that stuff. Nobody cares. No, it's all about your, no, because your your because your landscape stuff is Instagram mobile. It's That's, like, yeah. That's what we look for on Instagram. Exactly. You know, it's just like inspiring, cool shots. Nobody, yeah. First Nobody time I put a-, a portrait on that account, you know what happens? <laughs> you it lost, t- you probably unsubscribes. People probably. unfollow. Yeah, unfollows. And, and it kills all of the, any kind of engagement that would have happened for like the next week or so. Just, it's gone. So really? put a portrait on there. It kills everything that comes for like the next week forward. That's crazy. Which is crazy. And it makes you kind of go, well, why would I spend any time on this? So the way I have tried to look at it is to just say, you know what? If I like putting stuff out there into the world, I'm going to put it on there. And if it's a port, if it's a portrait and nobody cares, fine, I'm still going to put it up there and I'm not going to intentionally go out and try to like it's like following people, the follow for follow thing people did for a while there. Mm-hmm. Like, <clears throat> I'm not going to follow people or comment on people's stuff that I don't like just to hope that they come do the same for me. That's dumb. Like, I mean, I don't know that I can get any clearer than that, but yeah. I, have, I have to remember that, that engagement and the way people behave on Instagram has nothing to do with how I make a living. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's, it's conceivable that if you got enough of a, I guess, a following or a demonstrated reputation that people could find when they went there from somewhere else, that you could you could segue your landscape work and your landscape activity and, and account into leading workshops or, yeah. you know, somehow sort of making that into a part of what you do professionally. Um more so than it is now, but you know, I don't know if you even need Instagram to do that. So no, but, uh, certainly worked for that ASMP speaker who we had Ava Cosmos Flores, you know, I mean, that's what we met, right? Yeah. She's done that, but she also had, I think a successful blog too. Right. Right. So, and wrote a book or two. So, you know, that those are that all of that's feeding into it. And then she talked directly about her main source of income being the workshops that she leads from that. Right. It's not like right. she's making her money from licensing. Right. You know, she's doing the, she's doing the photos for free. That's, yeah. 
It's just the, the photo, loss leader. The photos are it's, well, and I think that's one of the things that's great to think about when you you know I know I know oftentimes this you know you talk about hey I'm I'm a professional photographer right and I'm like at the beginning that's how you introduced yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet your what you do for a living is very different from what a wedding photographer does it's also very different yeah. from what somebody like Ava does uh, Ava is not taking pictures for someone else yeah she's taking pictures and people are buying her art that you know they're they're buying her cookbook they're signing up for her workshop it's very much tied up in what she has made whereas the primary money maker for myself or somebody you know for both of us is we're being hired to take pictures for somebody else mm-hmm. that, that the subject is not my things it's not what i have they're not buying my art they're buying my service my time and my energy to come and make photos for them mm-hmm. and i think that's good to think about is that instagram is, is meant to show off art and people i think in internally there's a um what's the right word here there's a um a disconnect between photography as a service and photography as as a product mm-hmm. and i think it's when you put something out that's photography as a service people kind of they may not know exactly why but they kind of rebel against it a little bit yeah i i think i think it's you know a lot of the work my client work is just not that instagrammable except for that those the summer series you did yeah, but was that was that last year? Yeah, but the, but those were those were like kind of for that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I kind of <laughs> had that in mind, you know, not in, right. not just Instagram, but but you know, they were supposed to be kind of fun and sexy and lifestyle, and like it's not it's not like professional yeah. portraiture, but right. but even that stuff, I mean, yeah, it's it's it didn't it didn't do that well. It did great with the people who already follow me. Right. But yeah, it's just, well, it's just funny. So, so tell me what I'm kind of curious about. Um, where are you? Like, I already know you've talked about, you know, kind of what the work that you've done, the stuff that you do professionally, but what is, what's the stuff that you want to do for yourself, for yourself, but also maybe for, you know, the work you want to create? Like where you want to go over the next year or two years with the, with your photography? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't, I've, I've not spent a lot of time thinking about that um, this year because I'm just so focused on building a network of, of clients and colleagues here. I mean, I just really want to, where I really want to do is I want to stay in Portland and in this, in the Pacific Northwest and do the work successfully. You know, I mean, there's always the option of moving back and, you know, we've talked about that at times and I just really don't want to do that, which, which I'm happy. I'm happy that I even feel like I don't want to do that because it would be a sort of reasonable response to um, the set of circumstances, but I really want to be here and I want to be here doing work for, regional clients. I'm very excited to do that. I just, I just, I'm so excited to live here 
But um, beyond strictly assignment work, I would love to do, I love doing work that's more tied to the landscape. I love doing work for social good causes. So if things are going well, um, I would like to volunteer more in, in, within photography, you know, to do some projects. And I'd like to kick off projects that have me out photographing places and people in the community here, right? you know, and building, building personal projects with that. I'd, I also love to travel. So if I had volunteer organizational work that took me out of the country to pursue, you know, that would be an opportunity that I would jump at too. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to do, it's been, it's as this year has, has built and progressed, I've been more and more a little troubled that my work is mainly focused around, um, you know, doing good work for my clients and helping them, you know, essentially be more successful, but not doing a lot of social good. You know, I would love it if I would love to, and whether that was like getting back into doing more journalism and, and, and editorial, um, basically documentary type stuff, that would be one way to do that. But just, I would love to do work that has a little bit more consciousness and benefit <clears throat> other than just my direct client. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's, I feel that. that, yeah, that I don't, I don't know exactly how to get there, um, other than just volunteering, mm -hmm. but I would love that to become an aspect of my professional work. Yeah. When it's, I think it's a weird thing. I, I always find that I have to kind of explain this to my wife every time I want to do like a personal project, mm -hmm. especially if it takes a lot of time or mm -hmm. energy mm -hmm. or I'm, or I'm, you know, I'm donating time to some organization yeah. that, that her first response is, well, how does this grow your business? Mm -hmm. You know, and not because she's a, you know, hard businesswoman, just anytime I'm away from home and away from our family, it, you know, hopefully it has a benefit. If, if I go, Hey, I'm, I got a job and it pays six grand. She's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> you know, she, uh -huh. doesn't, she doesn't really Well, that's care. an, that's an easy, that's an easy set of priorities to weigh. Yeah. Weighing the job that pays well is, 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 is a quick calculation, but you know, she's probably also willing to listen to you to a certain point. Um, when the, when the, the cost benefit calculation is a little bit more tenuous or, or complex and, you know, there is benefit just to you feeling creative and, and energized yeah. that will reflect in your, in your business at some point. Yeah. But it's just not directly, yeah. but you have to be, you have to be, um, you do have to keep your passion alive or you'll get tired right. of it and you'll bail. Exactly. I mean, it happens all the time. Um, and well, and that's been, that's been kind of my, it's fully understood. Like in my family, like they all know if I don't go out and get out and do some landscape work every once in a while, I become unbearable. Yeah. Like I, I become like, I, I'm just like itching to be outside. I feel cooped up. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. everybody knows that, but then, but like I've been starting to construct a fairly elaborate project that is kind of a, uh, a giving back community service sort of thing mm -hmm. that will take a lot of time. 
and a lot of, you know, probably some resources. And so that's, that's a harder sell. Um, mm-hmm. and not, not just to my family, but also to me to go, okay, how does this, you know, I, <clears throat> I love the idea of giving back the idea of saying, okay, how can I use the thing that I've crafted over years to benefit someone other than just someone who's willing to pay me to, mm-hmm. to, to push forward their agenda? Yeah. So that I, I totally feel that that's, I'm in the same, I get that. I, I think it's in, in the long run. Sometimes this year I've been thinking like, that's actually more important um, than, than making the living. Uh, I suppose, I suppose that, that making the living is making a good living is, is more important technically because you can't do the other thing in, unless you're, you know, gainfully employed and, everyone's happy and comfortable. Um, right. but it really is like, I, I just have been thinking more as I get older about what I'm leaving what the kind of like legacy that I'm creating just with, with what people know who know me know that I stand for and what it means, what my name means and yeah. what I'm teaching, what I'm demonstrating to my kids. That's important to me and my values. And I have a, I have, you know, sort of one set of things that I say about my values and my political values and stances. And then this sort of other thing that I do where I'll just basically, you know, work for companies that are just like, you know, I mean, I don't shoot for smoking, you know, cigarette companies, but, but like, uh, other than that, my standards are not, you know, you're like, do you have a checkbook? Yeah. Right. Like, (laughs) are you, do you have a budget? Okay. I will see you tomorrow. Um, so, um, I think I've attracted clients who are generally clients who are doing good quote unquote. Um, but yeah, I would like to, I would like it to be more, more of a, more of a serious and systematic way to use this. Now, the other thing that I struggle with that in thinking about that is that I very much think that photography is inherently, um, exploitative. I'm using a, I'm using upspeak. It's inherently exploitative to take someone's picture. So while, while it can produce great things, there's usually someone who stands to lose from your taking the picture. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, there are ways to argue the other, you know, ways to argue against that, but um, it's a conversation that I'm, that I'm interested in because I always feel that even when you get someone's permission they're giving you something which is significant and there's a cost to them, even though they give you permission and even though they supposedly know the, the, what the arrangement is and they, they know what they have to, um, they know what they're giving up. I think they don't always know. Um, there's just such a, such a power you have as a photographer. So if you go and you take pictures, let's say you go to, to, some country in Africa and you take pictures for some organization that's like, you know, building wells. Are you really benefiting? Who's benefiting more from you taking those pictures? This is just a sort of a rough example, but who's benefiting more in that situation? You, the photographer who's, who's been brought there, you know, to take pictures and like have all these great pictures that you come home with or the people who you're taking the pictures of for the organization that's, that's, you know, making the wells. Hmm. I don't know. You know, I think maybe you benefit more as the photographer. So anyway, but that's what I know how to do. 
I do yeah. photography, so I need to use it, you know? Um, and you're a great portrait photographer, so you, you well, gotta take pictures you. of people. I, I like, and I do, I actually genuinely like that, which is why I've taken a lot of pictures of photography I, or of people. I would love to do more landscape photography. That is like, I view that as like a second career that I'll start like at some point. I mean, I, I love that. And it's also very hard yeah. to do it, to do it well. It's a waiting game. Yes, it's a waiting game, but it's also like a finding game. You got to mm -hmm. go and find the stuff. But it's, I mean, even once you've found it and waited and you're there, I mean, you can still just take this picture and then come home and it's like, yeah. eh, you know. It's a, it's like the, I, I've said this to people before, but it's like the exact opposite of produced portraiture. Because produced portrait, you come in, you bring your lights and you, you have hair and makeup and you do all the things and you get the person on their best day. And I, I always tell people, like, hey, like, well, what about the weather? And I go, if it's overcast, I'm fine. I've got lights. We're good. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make the, I'll just make the light. No big deal. Mm -hmm. Landscape photography is not like that. You pretty much, you might get skunked. And that, right. is, the, that yeah. is the phrase. We're going out. We're going to be there at four in the morning and it might go off or it might not. And if the light's if not hazy, good, yeah. yeah. If yeah, the light's not good, maybe done. you can point to an area with fog or maybe there's something interesting happening but you don't, you're not in control of what you're going to produce unless you're in Hawaii. And then it's pretty much always the same, you know? But I also think it's difficult in terms of how you make it compelling just in terms of what you photograph, right? The choices that you make scale, for example, you think, Oh, I'm just going to go out and shoot with a wide angle lens. Oh, well, no, that often doesn't work. You know, right. sometimes it works. Yeah. Sometimes it's the longer lens. Sometimes it's medium. Sometimes you can't, sometimes the best. I went to the, um, you know, we went to the Redwoods over the summer and I, it is so hard to get a good picture in the Redwoods. And the yeah. best, I shot and shot and shot and shot. And the best picture, I, I got to go back and evaluate those pictures better. But the best, I think the best one that I came up away with is a picture of my son's hand. It's a picture of the tree. And you, you, all you can see is just sort of a piece of the tree and you can see a piece of bark and it's a, it's a fire scar yeah. on the side. And I took a picture of it and I was shooting it and I was like, you know, it just looks like wood. And then he put his hand in the bottom corner yeah. and that made it because it was Gives suddenly like, oh my God, this is huge. And you could tell right. immediately as soon as you see it. And all the other, but I kept, but... I mean, it's not like I didn't know that I kept trying to put my kids in proximity to the trees and it just right. still doesn't work. It's yeah. It doesn't communicate that, the like impressiveness that you're hoping to communicate. So right. anyway, I think no, it's, I love, I, I, I love that. I love that it is such a, it's, it's a, it's a kind of an interesting game. And I think that's why it's meditative for me. Mm -hmm. is, is to just go like, I'm going to go out there, but I don't really know what's going to happen. And you, I'm going to, I'm going to work with the subject to, to figure out how to tell some kind of story, how to, how to have there be a mood to have it, um, to have it be evocative in some way. Right. So, well, that's kind of cool. So man, we talked about COVID a lot. We talked about school. We talked about how to yeah. find, you know, how, how do we deal with finding business? Um, Work-life balance. Yeah. Yeah. Something big I mean, this me. is, this is great. Cause I think we're in very, in a very similar spot, like same, you know, we're both wrestling with a lot of the same kinds of things. So it's, 
refreshing to hear to hear you talk through this stuff. It's given me some some places to kind of step back and revisit some of the ideas I've been thinking about. I think one of the things that that I thought of as we were preparing to have this call is is just thinking about this recession. And I've been in business long enough now to have gone through a few of these. And um, I always just get extremely worried, you know, and, and I, I always think it's the end and it's, it's never been the end yet. Like every one of them has turned around and things came back and work started happening. This is the worst that I've seen in terms of, the scale of the shutdown and the mm-hmm. the length of time it seems like it's going to take to recover. But I do think it'll come back. Um, I think it's, I also think it's like particularly bad for me being in a place where people don't know me. I mean, that feels really, really um, difficult on a, on a, on an additional level, but um I think that the work will come back eventually. The trick right. is just to stay in the game long enough for it. Yeah. You know, when I think of figuring out ways to pivot a little bit, if there's, if things have changed, I mean, that's, I think that's yeah. one of the things that's one of the things that's been true for me is I'm doing some different kinds of work this year that I've never done before because mm. there's new markets that have opened up. There's new people are doing different things now. Mm-hmm. which has been, you know, interesting in some ways, humbling to go, okay, I didn't think I'd be doing this. I didn't think I'd be taking pictures of this. Yeah. But it's sometimes it's, it's what produces a paycheck. And <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, if, if, um, if there's new opportunities available that, yeah, it's great to be able to pivot. And, and I'm always wishing that I could be more responsive to like new markets and things like that. I think that's hard. You gotta, you gotta like know how it's going to, how it's going to intersect with what you do. Right. You know, in terms of being someone who makes pictures. That's, I love that. Tell me um, for, for folks that want to know more about what you're up to, or they want to see your new redesigned portfolio. What are the, what are the, what are the best places for people to, to come and take a look at your work? Uh, so I'm at jfram.com, J-A-Y-F-R-A-M.com. In case you can't see the title in the in the uh, title of the I'll podcast, put a link in there. <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy with the with the way that has turned out, and um, I'm I'm going back to to there's a journal section there. I've called it journal. It's really a blog. Right. I'm gonna be creating more content. And I think all the content I've been thinking, like all the content that I create for social media, I probably should just put articles on the blog and then let it accumulate. Because again, it's just a place that people, it's just a place that people can come to see updated work about you. Yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's not, it's, it's a journal. It's not a, it's not a thing that someone is following day to day an audience. Right. So anyway, that's yeah. all on my website. My, 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 um, my Instagram page was, was pretty quiet for a while there. I mean, really, especially through the early days of COVID, I just, just did not feel motivated. And I have two Instagram pages. Mm-hmm. My other one is, um, my other one is unprofessional J 
unprofessional Jay for him. Um, and that was just for fun, but now I'm posting less because I'm just trying to not be always on it. Um, but so yeah, uh, at Jay Fram is my Instagram and I'm, I'm keep a lot of recent work there. Um, and I have been coached to have a more robust presence on LinkedIn. So I'm doing that. <laughs> um, nice. and I think that'll be, I think that'll be useful in terms of connecting with clients. We should connect there, quote unquote, connect. There. Connect, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, I recently, uh, I was shooting some eight by 10 stuff earlier this year and I recently, um, I realized that I had gotten rid of my old scanner and I didn't have anything to create a decent scan with. So I got a big scanner that'll scan eight by 10 transparencies even. So okay. I'm going to start, I kind of, I haven't even unboxed it yet, but awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put that into use and start getting that stuff. And I think like long-term, I think that's what Instagram is all about. And you've already discovered that with your work. I mean, it's all about having a niche thing that you do on Instagram that just appeals to an audience and it doesn't, Oh yeah, it's not like, Oh, this is all the clients are going to come here. No, it's about having a niche that you're, a special yeah. space that you're creating for that particular yeah. kind of work, which I think for me might be the large format work. So, well, and I think that that comes down to the, the idea is that Instagram is a place to share your art. And I think a lot of times for us as people who do, you know, commercial type photography, the stuff I make for clients is not really my art. And right. so I shouldn't be too upset when nobody cares about that stuff. Right. You know, I mean, frankly, most of the headshots I take, I mean, I'm not even putting my website, let alone, right on Instagram. So that's, that's cool. Well, I, I, I like the unprofessional, um, version of your Instagram too. Thank you. Keep it up. Start putting some more, uh, you know, when Instagram first happened, it, when did you get on Instagram? Oh gosh. Um, it was probably within the first three or four months. I mean, it was being at the, right at the beginning. I got Mm -hmm. on in 2013. So you, you definitely, remember the beginning. I mean, it was so fun in 2013 when I was on there and it was just like, everybody was, you know, it was mostly phone pictures and you remember when there was the hashtag of, uh, gosh, what was that? Um, later gram, later gram. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you weren't shooting it on the camera right now, you right. Everybody would hashtag later gram. It was a later gram because it was first sharing what you were doing and like putting a little artistic spin on it. And it was, it was mobile phone photography and that was cool. Yeah. Right. And it, that there is that that does not exist now. Right. Well, it's TikTok. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for spending this time with us. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, share it with your friends, and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Also, I'm open to suggestions for interesting people to interview. So if you know of someone I should talk to, please reach out. You can reach out to me via the email link in the show notes, or you can send a message on Instagram or Facebook with the handle at GoTakePictures. New episodes are on the way soon, and if you subscribe, you'll get them as soon as they drop. But in the meantime, go take pictures. So what you're saying is I need to create a cassette copy of my podcast to distribute people who are shunning technology these days. Yeah, I can play it on my Walkman while I'm walking the dog. We're both old enough that uh, 
is a real part of our history. I had a Walkman. Yeah. Heck yeah. I remember like how awesome it was when I got it. Um, Did you have the yellow sports one? (laughs) No, I wasn't that fancy, Dan. 